Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. Whether you're betting on a basketball game or the Golden Globes or the Bachelor or the Oscars, BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds and almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Hello, Lions fans. Jesse Cass here for the LMU Basketball Podcast here in the Believe Podcast Network on LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? And hello, everybody. Welcome to the LMU Basketball Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jesse Cass. Thanks so much for tuning in as LMU Basketball on the verge of being back from another pause in the program. Lions have been off for about two weeks now with another COVID positive in the program. Luckily for the Lions, everyone in good health right now and in good spirits and the team has been cleared and and back to get ready to get back to some West Coast Conference basketball action. So we're really excited that the Lions are back. And we have a nice treat on this week's episode as we have a special guest, Zach Beirudi. He's the play-by-play broadcaster for Pacific, who just happens to be LMU's next opponent. So he's coming up in just a moment. Quickly before we get there, want to let you know if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. Five stars is always appreciated. And we're also available wherever else you get your podcasts. Be sure to also follow me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Cass for any LMU basketball updates. And uh, if you haven't been updated on LMU basketball in the past couple weeks, they come into this upcoming matchup with Pacific uh, with an 8-6 and six record, 3-3 three and three in the West Coast Conference. We mentioned on the, the previous episode as well, we'll be without Damian Douglas for the remainder of the season. Tough blow for the team, but still competitive in the conference. Really wide open. Of course, Gonzaga sits at the top. Uh, but outside of that, you know, anywhere from seeds to downward are are pretty much within grasp. BYU at six and three, Pepperdine at five and three. Everyone else either at or within one game of five hundred, right where the Lions sit. So right in the thick of things, they'll be taking on a Pacific team that they they lost to earlier this season. It was a fifty eight forty nine loss against the Tigers and a eleven to one run to end that game. Or Pacific won a really ugly ball game. So we'll see if those two can play a more entertaining exciting game coming up but i know that stan johnson and the lions are pumped to be back and we'll see how they perform uh, it should be a lot of games coming up over this stretch for the lions with with rescheduling the lions i'm sure you'll see a lot of tuesday games along with that thursday saturday usual wcc schedule but the lions are back and they're taking on the pacific tigers and as we said the voice of the pacific tigers is zach bay rudy he's a great broadcaster and even better guy and Really happy to have him on the show. So without further ado, here he is, Zach Beirudi on the LMU Basketball Podcast. All right, and we're now joined by our guest here on the LMU Basketball Podcast. It's the the play-by-play voice of Pacific Basketball, Zach Beirudi, very talented broadcaster. Zach, thanks so much for, for coming on the show. Thanks, Jesse. How you doing, man? 
Doing well. Yeah, I know it's uh, it's been a, a different year, of course, uh, for all of us. Uh, I know you're traveling with, with Pacific, but uh, you know some of the broadcasters in the conference not able to to see each other as much. So yeah, it's good to to hear from you and uh, and talk about some WCC basketball. Totally, I'm I'm uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, and of course, uh, for for both LMU and Pacific, and a lot of teams in the conference, it's been a a stop and start season. We know that Pacific has had a couple of, of stoppages. LMU coming off their stack, their second stoppage due to COVID. Uh, what's this year been like for you in terms of just kind of adjusting to that and and having a little bit of a different look for the season? It's, it's just been really weird. Um, you know, I I think you were probably in the same boat back in in September uh, around that time. It's like, all right, like are, are we gonna are we gonna start? And then they they said November twenty fifth was gonna be the start date and. You know, I think for excuse me for Pacific, it was weird not practicing before then because there was a COVID issue. Um, you know, kind of right before the start of the season, so they they really didn't practice a ton. Um, and for me, as it's probably the case for you, I'm used to going to so many of the practices in October just to kind of get a feel for the team and, and see what everything is is all about as far as you know what what style they're going to play and and what have you and to not have that and to just like jump right into a game on November the 25th was, was really odd and kind of unlike anything I've ever done. Um, you know, especially when you have a, a bunch of newcomers. So it's just been weird, but I think I just, I try and be grateful for every game, every game that's played. Um, you know, we had a 24 day COVID pause and it, it kind of sucked just seeing everyone else play and, and, you know, you're, you're kind of on the sidelines, but just try and take it day by day, man. I, and you've probably been doing the same. Yeah, of course. Like I said, this is the the second stoppage for for LMU. You know, just about two weeks since their their last game. So it's been, you know, just kind of the nature of this this you know strange time that we're living in. But uh, but yeah, no, similar to you with with LMU basketball. Obviously, I'm used to going to practices and you know connecting with the coaching staff, and especially this year with a new coaching staff who I've gotten to you know talk to in interviews kind of from a distance but not really get to know them as much as it would a normal coaching staff it's been as you said just a little bit of an adjust an adjustment from that perspective yeah uh, it's I, i'm thankful that we have the same coaching staff and at least there's that <laughs> continuity I, I can't imagine having to learn a whole new staff and, and not having that practice time and that that month leading up to the season to just kind of get get to know everybody and get comfortable with everyone yeah, and for you, you mentioned the coaching staff. You know, Damon Stoudemire, WCC Coach of the Year last year, of course, came in with a ton of pedigree, former NBA Rookie of the Year and longtime NBA veteran. Uh, what, what's it been like for you know his tenure? Now in his fifth year, you've been there for all of it, seeing him kind of develop this program and what he's become as a head coach and just seeing everything that, that he's building at Pacific. I think there have been there have been two evolutions that have been fascinating to watch. I think the evolution of of the program, obviously, under Damon, and then there's the evolution of Damon as a head coach. You know, he he. I think. I mean, this is his first job. You know, his first head coaching job. So he he brought you know a lot of heart his first couple of years, and and you know, kind of that. I think more that that player assistant coach type perspective, and now to see him evolved into the WCC coach of the year, which is pretty remarkable considering what, a, what an outstanding league this is for coaches. Um, you know, that in, in short order and most of his tenure under, uh, under sanctions, he's turned it around in this fashion and then has evolved the way he has and, and has built not only the program back up, but I think the culture back up, um, you know, see, seeing those two evolutions kind of together, 
has been a really, really fascinating thing to watch for me. And I have enjoyed asking him about that really every step of the way. I mean, I, I have a line of questioning for him at various points every season as far as like, hey, like how have you evolved? What have you learned? Et cetera, et cetera. And then to have him answer those questions year after year and, and see how those answers evolve is, is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, and it's been obviously not a ton of games just because, of, as you said, all the stoppages this year, but 6-5 and five right now for, for Pacific. Uh, and, and really, the past couple games have been against the top-tier teams in the conference with a couple against Gonzaga and a double overtime against BYU. You know, something that I found really impressive from this team so far is just, you know, the, the loss of the team defensive player of the year, who is a senior, Jaleel Tripp, and he's still a great offensive facilitator and kind of retooling without your best player the next year and still being successful. What have you seen from kind of the adjustments as the team overall and just them making up for for losing one of the best players in the conference from a year ago? You know what's funny, Jesse? Like, I, I don't think we've played enough games for me to even answer that question, as funny as that sounds. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I don't think they've practiced enough for me to answer that question. Like, it's, it's literally a game-by-game basis. I can tell you that, I mean, I, I talked with one of our assistants right before uh, I think what what game was it? It was it may have been the it may have been the Riverside game. It may have been the first game of the year about like what what to expect. Um, and and all, one of our assistants didn't even know. He's like, look, this is you know this is off off the record, you know. <laughs> but he's like, to be honest, like I, I I don't know, you know. He's like, we we barely had time to practice and come together, and we're gonna go out there and you know we have we have a couple of veteran guys on the team that'll that'll hopefully get us through, but. As far as the team coming together as a unit, and, and like you said, uh, you know, accounting for the loss of Jaleel Tripp, I think they're still just kind of trying to figure out, and I think to your point, in the last couple of games, they've been starting to turn the corner in that regard. I mean, you have, obviously, you're, you're familiar with Jordan, you know, Jordan Bell coming yeah. from, from LMU and being that, that veteran WCC presence has has been outstanding. And then guys like Brock Finstoon, who just seemed to get in it, you know, every loose ball, uh, Pierre Crockrell in his second season is an outstanding developing point guard. And you have scorers like Danis Jenkins and Jeremiah Bailey. So, you know, it's starting to gel a little bit, but in terms of answering your question in depth, like I'm, I'm still, I'm still trying to figure it out. And I think this team is still trying to figure it out, but they're definitely coming together. I can tell you that. Yeah. And you mentioned Jordan Bell, who of course, Spent two seasons with LMU, uh, graduate transfer going to Pacific. It's, it's not often that you see a player transfer within conference, but clearly he's comfortable, as you said, with the WCC. He seems to have taken another step forward in his game and his development. What have you seen from him this year that has helped out the Pacific Ball Club to, to the record they have now? I think just the presence, to be honest. Uh, I go back to that BYU game uh, on January the 30th, uh, the double overtime loss, which was really tough because uh, Pacific had three bigs foul out before double overtime. And then once the game got to double overtime, I kind of knew that, that it was going to go BYU's way just because there weren't, there weren't any bigs left for Pacific, but, but with, with Jordan uh, not able to play in that, that second overtime, uh, it just really changed the complexion of the game. And I think, I don't want to say it changed the, 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 the confidence of, of the team but I mean it just that presence you know it, it, it he was someone they could lean on uh, he made some big shots he got some big rebounds um, and he's been shooting the ball actually really well I think he's now over 40 percent from beyond the arc um, and and he just seems to be a more uh, a more complete presence 
down low than I think I remember him being at, at LMU. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if that's just maybe I'm not remembering him and, and didn't see him enough at LMU. But I mean, he's been a, a steadying presence down low, um, getting his hands on on offensive rebounds and, and getting some stick backs and, and just those types of plays. I think generate energy exponentially. So I think that's where he's been. He's been a real key for this team. Yeah, and there was a couple games, especially down the kind of the stretch of last season, where you saw him starting to kind of develop that consistency more. So it's great to see that he's really put it together this year and has been a big help to Pacific. Uh, you know, obviously the Lions and the Tigers have, have played one game this year so far. Pacific came out on top, finished that game on 11-1 to run. Uh, that game in general was a very kind of ugly, mucked-up type of game, but uh, Pacific, as we said, came away victorious. What did you see in that game from, from both teams and, um, you know, just expectations going forward, of course, with the rematch coming uh, tomorrow? You know, I just, uh, looking back on it, like you said, it was just ugly. Like I saw, to be honest, I saw a lot of, of rust. That was when, when Pacific was coming off of its 24-day COVID pause. They, they played uh, just a couple of days prior to that against uh, Santa Clara. Um, and it was just a totally different type of game for Pacific. Against Santa Clara, they had 14 points before three minutes had even elapsed. Like they came out firing. And then the LMU game was just a turnover fest. I think yeah. it was 22 to 17. I think Pacific turned the ball over 22 times, and LMU turned the ball over 17 times. Like it was just, it, it, like if there's ever bad basketball, it was just bad basketball. <laughs> and I think it was because both teams were, again, just kind of getting getting familiar with with each other and and with uh, with their surroundings. And again, the instance of Pacific, like they hadn't played in a while, so. Um, it was just an ugly type of game, and that's really all I can remember from that game outside of the 11-1 to run. Um, and to be quite honest, like I don't even know what really sparked that run. Uh, it was just it just kind of happened in the midst of the chaos of all the turnovers. So I think it's going to be a, a cleaner game. I'm hoping tomorrow, um, and I, I know at, at least for Pacific, I think this is a uh, a confident bunch coming into Gersten uh, tomorrow. Yeah, it should be interesting. It, it's kind of the, the flip of the first game where, of course, LMU now coming off that pause. I think they just got back to practice yep. yesterday. So, you know, not a lot of time for them to, to get themselves back righted, but should be a fun and exciting game. We know that LMU, uh, without Damian Douglas now, that's certainly significant. But I think, you know, they'll be they'll be raring and ready to go with having been on pause for a while as well. But, uh, you know, right now, looking at the, the conference standings, as expected, Gonzaga, of course, number one team in the country. They're at the top. BYU is right there. But really, outside of that, it's a big jumble of teams that are either 3-3, three and 3-2, three, three and two, three and 4 whatever it may be. Is there that, that presence and that expectation uh, from the Pacific side that the top half of that conference is kind of up for the taking, where you can get the, the 2, 3, 4 seed uh, if you kind of have a good stretch here down the, in February? Absolutely. And I, I think in, in the uh, in the case of Pacific, I think having gone through the, the, the COVID pauses that Pacific did, um, having had to play the schedule that Pacific has had to play, and, and a lot of times on a whim, like, you know, BYU, going to BYU, that game was rescheduled on a whim, and we found out a couple of days before we were going. Um, having taken BYU to double overtime at the Marriott Center, um, you know, having Gonzaga thrown at you for the second time in 12 days, albeit it was at home, uh, but that, that was not the game that I think Pacific wanted to play after really a tough road trip uh, to Pepperdine and Gonzaga and then that tough loss at BYU, you know, to have Gonzaga kind of shoved down your throat again uh, was tough, but uh, Pacific led 
at the under 12 in, in that Gonzaga game. And had it not been, uh, had it not been for a ridiculous shooting performance in the second half from from Kispert and a, a, what I think was a terrible whistle for Pacific, I mean that they're in that game maybe at the under four media timeout. So. I think all that factored in. I think Pacific really has their eyes set on uh, a top five finish in league, and then they're ready to, to make a run. And I think that they know that, that the tougher times are behind them, and I think for a lot of teams in this league, the tougher times are, are ahead in terms of coming off of pauses and in terms of having to play the Gonzagas and, and BYUs of the world. Yeah, and we mentioned that you have been with the team as normal traveling with them. Uh, just from that side of things, what have what has life been like on the road in this type of environment? Is it simply, you know, flight to hotel, hotel to practice, and and back? Is that been the, the kind of the routine of this season so far? Pretty much, Jesse. Like I, <laughs> I, I try and take a walk with our trainer a couple times a day. Like we got into LA this morning, and you know, we've taken a couple of walks here around the block. But you know, I'm I'm used to. Like I like to go to the hotel gym every morning. We don't do that. Um, you know, maybe if it's you know for somewhere that's warm, like try and get a, a little soak in the hot tub or a swim or something. You know, we don't do that. Um, you know, and I know for the guys, it's it's especially tough. Like they they go to some of these cities and they have family in town and they really can't see their families. So yeah, it's it's been a little bit different. But again, I think everyone's just kind of clinging to the uh, the optimism. And uh, the satisfaction that we're getting games in, and uh, and and just kind of taking it from there. Even though it feels a lot different, I think uh, the the satisfaction of being able to play games kind of supersedes all the all the weirdness. Yeah, and leading from that, uh, you know, being around the guys, what has their mood been uh, in terms of? As I know, you just mentioned getting the games in has obviously been the goal and been exciting for them. But uh, just from their side of things, navigating things, having to get tested daily practice play during these circumstances where it's of course extremely tough on them they've been great like they, they have not complained uh, not not that i've heard at least they're all happy to be playing right now um i think the way that they've been playing the last four games even though there have been some tough losses in there i think that that has really kind of boosted them um you know i talked to jeremiah bailey after uh after the win against portland last night was that last night <laughs> that, uh, yeah, it was last night. Gosh, the days were stringing together for me. But yeah, it was last night. I talked to Jeremiah Bailey uh, in the post-game interview. It was yesterday afternoon. That's why it was a day game. That's why it feels so distant. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, he, he was, I mean, brimming, brimming with, with confidence and anticipation, uh, getting on the road and, and going to play LMU. And then, you know, for the next couple of weeks, being able to get BYU again at home. And then being able to play, you know, at Portland again, at San Diego, like those are the games that a team like Pacific and I'm sure a team like LMU kind of lives for. Um, and they're very good barometer games. And the way this team is playing now with, with all kinds of confidence, they've been, you know, they, they've been, been tremendous and they've had a positive attitude, especially over the last the last two weeks. Yeah, and ironically, the, the, going into this matchup, both of these teams' last games, although they've been weeks apart, are dominant wins on the road against Portland. So... We know the Lions had that a couple weeks ago. Pacific, as you mentioned, just had that that yesterday. Um, you know, I don't know how much you've how much time you've had to see LMU outside of that one kind of you know uneven clunker of a game that they played earlier this year. But what have your impressions been of the Lions this year? You know, under a new head coach and Stan Johnson, and and the start they've had so far this season. Play hard. Um, 
you know, and LMU has always just kind of been, we, we talked about the, the game back on January the 16th, like that, that ugly duckling of a game. Like, doesn't it seem like most games featuring Pacific and LMU are just kind of, they have it like a, an oddness about them. I remember a couple of years ago <laughs> here at, at Gerson, um, I think Pacific was up by like 14 in the second half and then saw it slip away. And there's always just kind of some weirdness that happens or they're just grindy kind of games. But, but I think the one constant with LMU is that uh, they always play hard and they, they always play Pacific hard. And I think both of these teams, and maybe you can, you can back this up. I think they kind of look at each other the same way um, where it's like, you know, Hey, Pacific is coming in. Like, this is a game where we have to see what we're made of. And this is a game that, you know, we can win at home. And I think that it's vice versa. So, um, you know, like you said, I've only seen them once. I did watch a little bit of the game at uh, Minnesota and, and, you know, they, they looked pretty good from what I saw there. Um, so I have, uh, I have no idea what to expect tomorrow outside of, I'm hoping there's not, uh, what is that? What's 22 plus 17? 39 turnovers? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping there's not that tomorrow. Yeah, no, that's honestly been, you know, kind of the barometer for LMU of whether they're they're playing really well or not has been turnovers. And of course, in that Pacific game, as you mentioned, the 22 was a high number. They had a game where they had 28, and they've had games where they've had under under 10. So it's, you know, a toss-up in that. But, uh, you know, 8-6, and 3-3 six, three and three in conference, I think we'll, you know, we'll see what their rust is and and how much they, you know, the loss of Damian Douglas hits them. You know, he hasn't played in the past three games, and they, of course, found sure. their footing against Portland, but still, a, you know, a significant player for them that they'll have to to get production from elsewhere. It should be it should be interesting. Uh, but like you said, the the Lions and Tigers games, uh, you know, I can back it up. Over the years, have been, like you said, either just odd or there's been multiple overtimes or <laughs> weird yeah, things super, happen in the games. But grindy. It, I mean, super grindy kind of games. Especially, I feel like the games that have been played at Gersten. I don't know about you, but like, there's always just they're always just kind of grindy for me. Like, there's there's uh, an element. I think whatever team has that extra element of toughness on a given day always usually comes out because they're they're usually pretty good battles. Yeah, no, even even the games up in in Stockton as well. I feel like a couple of the overtime games have been up there, and and just yeah, like you said, the. For whatever reason, and you'll find it a lot in this conference, but I know LMU and, and San Francisco is another one, LMU and yep. Pepperdine, and then LMU Pacific. Those are the ones that stand out as, you know, you know going into the game, it'll probably get mucked up a little bit, and it'll also probably be down to the wire and how these teams match up. Sure. It'll, it'll probably be a little bit less mucky, I think, without... I mean, I know Jaleel really kind of bottled things up for, for everybody. <laughs> um, you know, and I can say that Pacific has probably... Uh, they become a little bit more dangerous from the outside, I think, without, you know, Jaleel was such a downhill driver, but but to, to kind of go off, off track here, I mean, I think Pacific has uh, found a way to, even though they haven't shot the three at a ridiculous clip, I mean, they've made clutch shots from outside, especially going back to that BYU double overtime game, and, and I think they've had to play that way without Jaleel. I guess that's kind of a way they've, they've evolved this year, too. Yeah, and, and Zach, before... We wrap up and let you go. You know, of course, one of the biggest differences from this season, outside of all the you know the travel and the testing and the restrictions, is is of course for the players and coaches playing in in empty gyms and arenas. Uh, you know, f- from both your perspective and for for the players, uh, how has that been an adjustment for you? And and have you noticed anything for for the team and how they've been able to to kind of navigate that and handle uh, the new environment of playing in, in empty arenas? 
Well, they they still got down by fifty at the kennels, so I mean, not not much not much change there. Even though you didn't have the crazy the crazy atmosphere there, you know, and, and ironically, there there were a bunch of fans at BYU. I don't know how many exactly, but you know, they they have. I think players and staff get four tickets to be able to hand out, uh, and I don't know what the protocol is. I think it has to be for for immediate family. Uh, but there were a decent amount of fans at, at BYU, and, and funny enough, they. You know, they actually played pretty well with, uh, with I think, the most fans they've had at a game this year. Which certainly was at the Marriott Center, and, and Pacific played well. I don't think it's really been much of a factor, to be honest, for the team. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's pretty much been the same. Like, you know, the, ro- the road environments can be different, though. Like, you can you can get down on the road and then the crowd gets into it and gets lathered up and it, it kind of changes the feel and the complexion of the game. There hasn't quite been that. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's pretty much been the same for them. Um, I mean, for me, like they, they put us, I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures from, uh, from the guys that have gone to Pepperdine to do the game there. Like they put us up in the rafters at Firestone. Yeah. Um, we were on the concourse at Gonzaga. Uh, there've been a couple of different places as far as, uh, where we've been stationed to do the broadcast. It's been obviously, you know, not as exciting to walk into the Marriott center with 17,000 people there, but you know, just again, the fact that, that I'm doing games on the road for me is, is, is all I need. That's in and of itself. That's a win. Yeah, no question about it. And, and like you said, it's uh, it's just uh, you know lucky and a blessing to to have these games to call, and especially for these guys playing. It's great to see, you know, both these programs getting back out onto the floor. Uh, Zach, you do a tremendous job with Pacific. Uh, it'll be good to see you tomorrow, and uh, look forward to as you said, hopefully a little bit cleaner uh, and, and more exciting ball game coming up between LMU and Pacific. Yes, sir. You do a great job too, man. And, and thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again. So a big thanks again, once again, to Zach Bayrudi. She said he is the voice of Pacific Basketball, and the Lions and Tigers will match up Saturday, 4 p.m. from Gerson Pavilion for the Lions back in action. Uh, you can, of course, if you're in the Stockton area, check out Zach on the broadcast for the Tigers. And if you're in Los Angeles, you can hear me on KXLU, where the Lions will be hosting the Tigers and looking for their fourth West Coast Conference win. So that is going to do it for this week's edition of the LMU Basketball Podcast. Once again, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. And we're available wherever else you get your podcasts, including Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart, Google Play. Wherever you get your podcast stitcher, we're there. So find that. Go to Believe.com to find the show and hundreds of others on the platform. And check me out on Twitter at Jesse underscore Cats. With all of that said, that is it for this week's edition of the Only Basketball Podcast and the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Lions. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.